0: This, this, this show
1: is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to the award-winning Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. And now your host, health and safety specialist, mentor and speaker, Colin Nottage. Hi there, and welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Um, today, we are joined by Teresa um teresa uh, is owner and founder of paradigm in performance um and we go oh we go all over the place in this uh, this episode it's really really fascinating teresa is just one, it's just a lovely person a um, you know, really really down to earth person who uh, who just made me feel extremely comfortable um, chatting with her and um, you know well I, i'm not going to say any more i'm going to just let you uh, just let you relax and enjoy an hour with teresa Teresa, thank you ever so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy diary to, uh, to spend a bit of time talking to me. Um, could you just give us a little bit of background about uh, about about who you are and, uh, you know, and I suppose just how, you, how you've got to where you've got to? Uh,
0: yeah, sure. So um, my name is uh, Teresa Swinton. I'm currently the owner and founder of Paradigm Human Performance Limited and also Paradigm Human Performance Inc. over in America. And uh, I started the business four years ago this month. It's our fourth birthday this month, actually, in the UK. Um, after doing the job that I do now, Human and Organisational Performance Improvement, in, in a, one of the big six UK electrical, um, you know, the uh, electrical companies, power providers. Uh, so I spent a number of years there um, in health and safety, Um organizational learning and then human and organizational performance type roles, uh, and was quite frustrated at not being able to kind of have the, the impact that I felt, you know, that human performance could have in the organization.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and so, you know, the, one of the opportunities to, to leave came along, um, and, and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity and get out and, and, you know, uh, see if I can help other companies. And, uh, Basically, where this comes out of is, um, long story short, because I've talked about it many times, there was a workplace accident on a job that I was running um, a number of years ago, where a number of people were, were killed. And at the time I wasn't, I wasn't in health and safety. Um, So, so it was, in fact, I was probably um, the anti health and safety (laughs) because, you know, it was, I I was one of those operational managers like, oh, you know, the the health and safety guys come in tomorrow, make sure everyone's got their hard hats on and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this, this accident, it was a road traffic accident. So it wasn't necessarily work related, um, but you know in the eyes of the law but to me it was most definitely work related Mm -hmm. and it had had a life-changing impact on me and my career and I I went on this journey of a little bit of self-discovery I think um but also recognizing that I didn't want other leaders to go through that kind of um soul searching and you know sleepless nights thinking could i have done something better i i felt like i could share my experience and and uh, you know help help organizations to just get better at this stuff you know mm-hmm. i the way we set our people up so so that's that's sort of a very potted history i spent as i say majority of my um career was in power generation power distribution um uh 17 years of that were spent in the rail industry, installing, you know, trackside um, ca- cabling systems and trackside substations and so on and so forth. Uh, and then moved into power generation um, at two coal-fired power stations up in North Nottinghamshire. And, and then eventually moved into the nuclear part of that organization mm-hmm. uh, and left there in as I say, 2017 and started Paradigm
1: fantastic fantastic so and it is some um, you know it's interesting that that you know i mean it happens a lot doesn't it these these events that happen in your life uh you know sort of fundamentally shape the way that you're that you you go as an individual you know yeah. this you know and it must have been some you know a pretty a pretty difficult time you know that you were working through you know after you know um you know after after the the event where the where the people lost their lives but it's amazing how resilient people are you know I think you know I've, I've I've been involved in a few fatalities in my career and um and I'm just amazed by by the strength that uh that that, that people have out of such adversity and such difficult times you know is, yeah. is, that, is that something that you you know that you know obviously you 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 found you know, but um you know. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I don't know, I don't know whether I would see that as you know strength and resilience because to be uh, to be perfectly honest with Colin, at the time I just fell apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really really had a major impact on me and. Mm. You know, And I am very cautious and I've remained cautious ever since whenever I manage people or I'm responsible for people, you know, that that is always there in my mind about, you know, the and I talk about, you know, the shadow that you cast as a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing that sticks with me. I, I try and I'm far from perfect. I try and think about the. You know the things that I'm doing and saying, and do they align? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what messages am I passing on to the people who work beside me, or with me, or for me? Uh, and sometimes I can get a bit paranoid about that. And if you speak to my team, they'll say they'll say <laughs> I quite often send a lot of uh, messages out saying, "Can I just clarify <laughs> what right. I meant when I asked for this?" So it it, it does stick with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think in terms of resilience. Um, organizations need to have resilience when, you know, before things like this happen. But when something like this happens, they need to be able to protect their people, mm. uh, you know, the people that are involved. Because at the time when I went through this, I felt, I felt really lonely mm. uh, and I didn't know who to go to for help and, and what help was available uh, to me. Um, and of course, and rightly so. My my biggest concern in the the immediate, the immediate time was the families of, mm, of the mm. of the workers who'd been who'd lost their lives. So, yeah, I don't know whether whether it, it's resilience. I I feel like I'm resilient now for, mm, for mm, a lot mm. of other reasons, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know at the time whether that was resilience oh, or yeah. just.
1: I, you know, I think you know we one of the maybe I didn't quite phrase it right. I suppose one of the things that um you know when I worked I worked for a large company you know we had. 8000 employees something like that and um and, and and what i found when something had gone wrong there was a lot of people that were that were diving for cover a lot of people were trying to uh, distance themselves from the from the event and i i saw my role because i was in a health and safety role in the business i saw my role as being being one to go and and support and i saw that my team you know our team was there to go and support and and help people through and i think and i suppose you know i suppose what i found is that by by being there and seeing those people and helping those people and supporting them then in actual fact i mean i i you know i've got some people that are amazingly close friends now that that came about from from having an absolutely awful event and you know because because we were there to help and support them and i just feel that sometimes businesses don't do that they don't do that enough do they
0: no, no, I, I, I understand what you mean. It's like now we, we're consultants and we work with many, many organizations, but I, I'm very, I'm acutely aware of when, you know, the proverbial is hit the fan and, and a health and safety manager and his or her team are, you know, faced with a fatality or a major disaster for the first time, that there, it, there's, there's a lot of panic There's a lot of, am I good enough? There's a lot of, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Uh, And we tend to forget at that point, um, you know, that our training almost, we we Mm -hmm. forget our training. And and I'm not sure there's any, I'm not sure there's one solution to that. But exactly like you said, making sure that as a team, we are there. And that's one thing I think that Paradigm does really well, Mm -hmm. because we're so attuned to it and so sensitive to it that we want to make sure that whoever it is at the end of the phone feels like they've got a a safety net Mm -hmm. from me and the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And that we, even if it's just that coaching conversation on the way to an event or, you know, that where we can say, look, this, you know, this is what to expect. This is, Mm -hmm. and it's okay for you to feel fear. It's okay for you to be concerned and, and think maybe you're not going to be able to handle this or say the right things or do the right things. Mm -hmm. Um, But you will Mm -hmm. ultimately you will. And you do, but we're, we're here to take you by the hand through that. It's the worst time. Mm -hmm. It's the worst time in the world. It really is. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, talking about the organisational side of this, and, and it frustrates the hell out of me, to be honest with you, that, um, sorry, I've got some noise going on in the background.
1: Right. No <laughs> so, my dog will um, bark in a minute.
0: So. Oh, yeah, that's have got mindful of as well. <laughs> uh, and it frustrates the hell out of me that, you know, when we have accidents or incidents in the workplace, the health, the spotlight is suddenly on them you know I'm generalizing I know but you know generally the health and safety manager he or she is standing in front of the senior leadership team trying to explain what happened why it happened and what he or she is going to do about it Mm -hmm. and and I find that so frustrating because the same is not true when you know uh, when a manager has to sack an employee because you know they've you know, committed some form of gross disciplinary or gross misconduct, Mm. you know, they don't hold the HR manager and say, how the hell did we manage to Mm. have such a bad employee? You know, this must be your fault. What are you doing about it? Mm. And so we don't apply the same standards to health and safety management Mm. and the people in that department as we do to the other departments in in our organisations. And I find that astonishing Mm. That in this day and age, we're still at the point where, when something goes wrong from a health and safety perspective, it's seen as the health and safety team's problem to solve.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, and no. I, I point, as, you,
0: as you said, everyone else is running for cover,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and suddenly, well, you know, you need to speak to the safety department. You know, they're they're investigating this.
2: Yeah. Or
0: mm. well, they can't do it. They can't do it without the line management.
1: Not at all. <laughs> so, and I think Don't I think as well is the, <laughs> <laughs> I think also as well sometimes it you know it gets overlooked the impact that these events have on the, the health and safety individual the person you know and uh, you know and they're, and they you know people just believe that these are rocks these are people that can that can handle anything can you know and and yeah. we're all human <laughs> you know we're all human and we all get affected and you know and and you know there was there was an event that happened that happened. Um, in a business I was part of in two thousand and one, and 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 I, it's the seventeenth of November two thousand and one. That's how much I remember about it, you know. And I remember the the conversation I was having with the manager that morning, and he said, you know, well, you know, he said, what happens now? You know, he, he, that's what he wanted to know. What happens now? And we talked through it and and and, and got down there, but but it really hit home in two thousand and six, five years later, when um when the the the, the widow. Uh, and the two children came to lay the wreath at the place where their daddy died. And that was the thing that really, that really, really hit me. That really hit me. And that was, that was probably the point in 2006 when I, I said, I, I want to, ch- I want to try and change things. You know, I want to just try and change the way. And, and so that's why I set my business up. I've got to do something different. I've got to try and do something different here. And so that's what we try yeah. and do. You know, we try and do, you know, and uh, just try and make a difference. So It's you know.
0: so important. And, you know, it, it, it is one person at a time taking that that mind shift isn't it mm. and you know that that's our values here that has always been the value for my company you know we we say nobody should die or be injured just for going to work no nobody deserves that mm. and, and so the mission of paradigm is about making workplaces healthier safer um you know more respectful places mm. that value the individuals expertise at their job so that Everyone who is, is working in that organization feels like a contributor, feels valued and feels respected. Mm. And really, that's what we're trying to drive at that highest level, mm-hmm. because, you know, at the end of the day, and it's not just as I say, it's not just in the UK. I mean, in, in the UK, where. We're damn good at health and safety management in America. Mm-hmm. We're damn good, you know. Across Europe, we're very good at this stuff. We really yep. are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, there there are companies and industries who are just not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there are too many organisations who don't want to uh, entrust their employees to make decisions mm-hmm. that ultimately you know we'll'll we'll save lives and and you know improve the safety of these organizations and that's again that's why a lot of what we talk about is organizational drift mm-hmm. and why that exists and where it comes from and but when we go along and we see a, a large part of our work is incident investigation so we have our own process we provide training and coaching and <coughs> like uh, like a subscription support type service you know because mm-hmm. the 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 quality, of investigations being done by organizations in these days it is disgraceful
2: mm-hmm.
0: it really is focused on you know and you can't believe it with all the talk of you know the the new view of safety and hop and hpi whatever you whatever your particular flavor is um we shouldn't we shouldn't be in this position where we we don't go beyond punishment or fixing the worker when something goes wrong we just Mm. don't we can't see the connections back to the leadership context or the organizational influences over you know the people that are working for them and the behaviors and the outcomes that are being driven Mm -hmm. so investigation reports are you know it's it's a constant source of frustration to me yeah Uh, and I and I spend a lot of my time reading through people's investigation reports going how on earth did you how on earth did you come up with that from that you know corrective actions about you know sending sending people back to you know training school and giving them a thicker procedure or disciplinary action taking away suspending their tickets all this kind of thing and I think wow you know
1: and it happens all the time, doesn't training. it? You know,
0: you want to be a training company, don't you? Really, sometimes and think, mm. how much money could we make every time a company has an accident just by mm. retraining everyone who yeah. just really doesn't need retraining? Isn't training it, wasn't, wasn't first place.
1: It wasn't the problem. It wasn't the problem. The, you know, probably that you know the, the the procedure. You know, it just wasn't understood how the job was done. That was that was the problem. You know that that was and, the,
0: yeah. And, and maybe not under maybe not understood in the majority of cases by the leadership. Yeah. yeah? So yeah. Mm-hmm. the individual yeah. in bit, the job. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. So we're, we're constantly, you know, we measure individuals on output and successful outcomes. Uh, and then, you know, we don't do that deep dive into, well, how are they achieving those outcomes? Mm-hmm. And let's go and have a look at that. And this this whole thing about, you know, um you talked just now when we were sort of setting up about learning teams and, you know, I think, I think if you, whatever you want to call them, whether you call them learning teams, we used to call it successful work critiquing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what it is. It's, it's looking for the clues and the low level indicators in normal work, mm-hmm. uh, which will help you to, te- you know, be able to see what's going to go wrong in your organization next. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, I think accidents and incidents at work are something that, uh, you know, investigating them properly and thoroughly and really finding the causal factors uh, and and trying to address those in a way that not just just prevents it happening again, but really takes that learning into the organization where they live and breathe it Mm -hmm. and do something valuable with it. And then they can look back in, you know, in months or years to come and say, we really did learn from that thing that nearly went wrong or did go wrong, and I think if lots of companies hold the mirror up to themselves today, they won't be able to see that.
1: No, no, not at all. And you know, you, you know, you just look at, you look at the way that that so many businesses are run. That they, you know, that they 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 they, they, they expect people to to be adaptable and expect people to make decisions and expect people to to think on their feet, and then and then the minute that things don't quite work out how they should have done, they then get criticized for it. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's, it's so, it's so frustrating. You know, it's so frustrating. So, but,
0: fi- but fixing the worker is the, is the always the easy option, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Fixing the system costs money or takes time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you know, sort of brings me on to a, another one of my, I've got a lot of pet peeves Colin, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, think- maybe I'm just getting too bloody over <laughs> long in the two, but, um, the other thing that really frustrates me, and again, I think all of this is part of this malaise of um, BS, really, that we have in our organisations. Is this: if something's going to take a long time to fix, then actually this leadership team today probably won't be here in two years' time, mm-hmm. and they're only being measured for their watch, you mm-hmm. know, their period of time in in the role, mm-hmm. and so. The way that we, you know, form our organizations, structure them, employ people at the top of the organization is it drives short termism for Mm me. Yeah. So so, you know, a leader looking being faced with the option of, you know, sack a few workers and replace them uh, and hope you get better ones next time um, is is often more preferable to yeah let's spend three years and try and do something with the culture of this organization
2: mm-hmm.
0: or you know let's let's get all of our procedures out let's do something something fundamentally different that sets our workers up for success
2: mm-hmm.
0: takes long takes long time
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and unfortunately we just don't we don't have a long time when when we get you know, people into our organizations, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: to, like I say, two or three years and they're gone. Mm -hmm. And then the next person comes in and they want to put their mark on the organization. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, this is why very often when we've investigated something and we've come up with some corrective actions that are really robust and they're going to be game changing for that organization, you know, they're really going to be far reaching uh, uh, and, and beneficial, it just gets blown out of the water because people are like, well, why would I invest that money? Because mm-hmm. it's not really going to be my problem in two years time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I, that's why, I mean, you know, if obviously anyone listening who hasn't read Simon Sinek's infinite game,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that that's the book, isn't it? That just mm. takes everything that I had in my head. It's like <laughs> reading that book going, yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, short-term, short-termism, I think, at the management level uh, is, is a big issue for us. And, and I think one of the things that we, we're doing more and more with organisations, we're trying to, although we're human and organisational performance, we're trying to embrace everything that that involves, you know, mm. purely, rather than thinking about it as the science of human performance. We're really thinking about how are people set up within an organisation And and how can you do that really successfully in a really holistic way? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, setting the organization up with long term goals that, you know, are going to take five, six, seven years. But but that are that are continued through successive management teams, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, where people are not prevented from coming in and doing something good. I don't mean that, but where it's like, right, we've chosen a five-year plan of attack. And that's what we're going to stick with. We're going to stay on that trajectory Mm -hmm. until this is done. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see what comes at the end of it. But even if senior leaders, if we have a new CEO or a new COO, the board own this change Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And we are going to see it through. And it's Mm -hmm. going to be bigger than the CEO and the COO, it's going to last longer than that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's some of the stuff we've been talking to some of our clients around now
2: mm-hmm.
0: is how, how do you get rid of this short-termism when it comes to senior leadership
1: mm-hmm.
0: and short-term thinking?
1: Yeah. So no, that's, a, that's a really, really good point there. So when you're, I mean, when you're going in then and you're working with, you know, with these, these organizations, with these businesses, what, what, what's your sort of starting point then? How do you know, how does, how does the conversation start? You know, okay, if there's been an incident or there's been an accident, then there's probably a lot of discussions about that. But, but the actual, you know, when you're actually saying, right, we're going to, you know, we want to, we want to change the thinking and changing the approach. What, what does that look like?
0: So, in fairness, uh, what I will say is that a lot of our work comes through referrals. Yeah. So people, you know, we're building a bit of a reputation globally. So people tend to know what we do. Mm-hmm. Therefore, as soon as they start saying, well, we, we want to look at human and organizational performance improvement or, uh, you know, we want to look at safety differently, then people will say, oh, look, you know, you need to contact this, this company, Paradigm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So a lot of our work does come f- through referrals. But the so so that's the one way the other way is because they've had an accident or an mm-hmm. incident and they pick mm-hmm. up the phone and say we need some help yep. uh but if it's a pure you know sort of um cold call you know what what we do talk about is we we talk about the drift model mm-hmm. and we've taken James Reason's original work and we've adapted that you know for for our work and we show that you know, the typical things that you want to do as a leader, as a leadership team to improve your business are kind of counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So talking about, you know, follow the rules, follow the procedure um, is that's based on an assumption that the rules are good and the procedures are, you know, accurate uh, or, or that they exist. Yep. So, so some of the stuff that feels intuitive to us as, as leaders to in- instruct our workers to do it is actually counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So we explain organizational drift in a way that helps leaders to understand how within that drift, work as imagined versus work as done, within work as done, is lots of benefits and positives to the organization. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, there lies innovation, there lies um, creativity, there, there lies, you know, efficiencies and savings and you know all of those benefits that the company um enjoys uh, and would want to capitalize on but also with drift there lies unexpected accidents and incidents that we didn't see coming because we're constantly tracking that work as imagined line Mm -hmm. and we're not we're not acknowledging the fact that our workers aren't working to that line they're Mm -hmm. down here somewhere yeah so so that's that that model and the way that we deliver that it is so powerful that people just then want to start saying, OK, where do we go then? And all of our work, actually, the, the way that we've set up all of our products, all of our business almost comes out of that organisational drift, because then you want to understand what causes drift. And of course, it's it's all of the organisational context all of the leadership context so it takes you on this really nice journey where you start to put these building blocks in place you know things like you know good change management uh you know good um internal supply chain modeling you know courageous leadership which is which is our program investigating success and failure Mm -hmm. you know observing Uh, you know, work has done and and catching that through our what we call our optic tool, things like that. So there's lots and lots of um, sort of foundation stones that we put in place Mm. that the organisation can constantly see that we're addressing drift, Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course, the answer with Drift isn't to sort of bring the green line up to, or the black line up to match the blue line, it's trying to find the the, the right place and the sweet spot, if you like, which allows worker innovation a, a, and to get a job done safely, but also, you know, prevents them from, you know, introducing additional risks that we we haven't foreseen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so that, cool. that tends to be our starting point.
1: Okay, okay. So where I mean you know where does the you know sort because of, you mentioned a little bit earlier on about about sort of the culture of the business and uh, you know sort of visions and values and things like that where does where does that fit in then I mean if you were working for a business and you you had a read of their website you know and you saw some 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 visions and some values there, what, what do you do with that information do you you know because.
0: I I take it with a pinch of salt if it's on the website.
1: Yeah, that's good. I love that.
0: I just read it and I go, oh yeah, I I can Google those words and find them on, you know, 300 other uh, corporate websites. Um, Actually, that's probably a bit unfair because there are organisations out there who do this really well and they really do live and breathe their values. Mm -hmm. But the real way to understand the culture of an organisation is to go and talk to the people get under the skin of it uh, and see what's going on. And, and again, organizational drift to keep coming back to it yeah. is a is a really good indicator of what the culture of the organization is. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend, you know, when we go into organizations, I spend a lot of t- my time working with the senior exec team or the senior leadership team. And that might involve doing some coaching or some briefing sessions or some awareness training. Um, and and so I think by spending time with those individuals, I start to really understand the culture of the organization. Mm-hmm. And then I'm able to go and work at the sharp end or you know, with the middle management and, and see what the culture is there, mm-hmm. see what the culture is, and then you get a picture. Mm-hmm. And typically what I find is that I'll I'll be speaking to the sharp end of the business, speaking to, you know, an operator or, you know, a a construction worker. And then I go and speak to a supervisor and then I go and speak to a CEO. And actually what the three of them want are pretty well aligned. Mm -hmm. Ironically, Mm -hmm. they've just all got different ideas about how to get there and how to achieve it. Uh, And so a lot of the a a lot of time that all we're doing really is just trying to get people to communicate. I mean, Rosa's mm. book, um, you know, Relationship Factors, and it's so important, those relationships that we have to build in our organisations. And yet we we have so much um, bureaucracy and, you know, hierarchical sort of um, control where, you know, the CEO doesn't get to speak to the construction worker mm. enough. enough. Uh, and therefore they, they don't see they don't see the world from the other person's, you know, vantage point.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: that's equally as important for the CEO to come down and spend time on the shop floor as it is for the, the people at the shop floor to be able to come and see and understand the management challenge as well, because mm-hmm. there are two different worlds. Yeah. And, and, and by doing that, just, in those conversations so a lot of work we do is through workshops mm-hmm. exploratory workshops you know and and they don't have a script necessarily you mm-hmm. you get a group of people together and you facilitate an open and honest dialogue yeah. and yeah. it's phenomenal what comes out of it mm-hmm. it really is mm-hmm. um, but again you know and I probably shouldn't say this uh, Colin for, for people like you and I are consultants but Companies don't need consultants to come and do this for them. Not at all. Just get in a bloody room and talk. Yeah. yeah. You know, because right. um, there there isn't any silver bullet. Yeah. There's only your silver bullet for your organisation for that problem on that day, and and most of these are solved by talking.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know what you know. I suppose you know it's, it's it's the catalyst, isn't it? You know that's 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 what we're sort of bringing, isn't it? The, cat, the catalyst for change and you know and just being able to sort of help help people along along their along their journey, along their, their route, you know, but in a but, yeah, but maybe um, in a yeah. in a, stru- in, a stru- in a semi-structured way that uh that challenges. And I think that's the thing, And Is it is there's a bit of challenge and it'll push because otherwise it will it just goes floppy, doesn't it? You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's good about having that independent, you know, that independence there and in, in those workshops is <clears throat> the risk Excuse me. The risk is that, you know, a company will have... Excuse me a moment. Mm.
1: A bit early for gin.
0: I know, I know. You Whiskey know, <laughs> in there as well, just to liven it up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the challenge is that how do you... The difference between uh, having a great conversation and making friends and, you know, singing Kumbaya around the desk in mm. the meeting room and actually turning that into a bias for action. And I think that's where a consultant does help because Mm -hmm. the consultant's job is to make sure that there are some really valuable outputs from those workshops Mm -hmm. and that there's some action planning around, okay, this was a great conversation and it's been really (coughs) really nice to eat donuts and drink coffee together, but what are we going to do? What are we going to do with what we've learned? What Mm -hmm. what have we learned? And what are we going to do with what we've learned? And I think sometimes those things are missing because people will come out of those workshops, they'll go back to their day jobs, which are normally, you know, 80 hours a week plus uh, and not have the capacity to to do something different or build something new. So yeah, I think we do add value. I, I didn't mean to say we don't add value. But,
1: <laughs> no, no, that's right. But, you know, but no, but I mean, if you've getting, got just getting departments talking is the starting point for me, without a doubt. And I think you know, so when you're, you know, I, you know, one of the things that I that I've sort of experienced is, is is if you get the if you get the wrong people in the room, then that sometimes can stifle uh, the the openness. You know what I mean? And um, you know, and and it's yeah. but but you're gonna but to get the most value out of is is having the the person in the room who can make the decision you know can there and then say yeah we're going to do this so how do you you know how do you how do you sort of square that off then but sometimes the person who can stifle things is also the person who can make decisions
0: well I think that that is the benefit of being a consultant um that you can kind of Say things that maybe <laughs> people within their own organizations can't, uh, whether you get away with it or not. It just depends. If you ever get invited back, then you've got away with it.
2: Um,
0: but I think for me personally, I would be doing a disservice to my clients if I sugarcoated everything that I have to tell them. So I, I just don't. I'm pretty straight talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if I was going into a workshop like that, and we have done where we kind of know that maybe the leader is uh, part of the problem, for want of a better word, let's yep. just call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I will have had, inevitably, I will have already had conversations with that leader because I won't let things like that sit.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I, will, I would be having conversations with that leader. And then prior to going into that workshop, I'd be saying to her or him, This is, you know, this is what I think we're going to hear in the room today.
2: Mm.
0: How how do you think that you'll respond to those things? What do you think might be the best way for you to respond? You know, do you do you think that, you know, how would you like the workshop to go? Do you want to speak first? Do you think perhaps it would be better for you to listen first and speak last? And so I try and coach them if I can. And Mm -hmm. that's great. And normally that works really well. But I'm also not afraid of a bit of debate in the room, and and so therefore, if if I feel like a leader is monopolising that workshop, I'll tell them.
2: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I, I have no qualms about it because, you know, and I won't do it in a rude. I won't be rude to somebody, but I would say you really do need to listen
2: mm-hmm.
0: and give people in the room an opportunity. Otherwise, you're going to go out of here with no more knowledge than you came in with, and that's why you know, we're, we're here to, today to start with. So um, I, I, I love to create a safe environment where people can have a really great conversation
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there are things that you can do, you can, you know, to, to set that up. Uh, and a lot of the work that we do at Paradigm is really about preparing people for those workshops yeah uh, and so this is the theme of the workshop mm-hmm. and then getting in there and starting with I don't know maybe dependent on what you're dealing with is everything's taken on a case-by-case basis but we might say to somebody right okay look we're gonna have a charter for this workshop where you know what's said in the workshop stays in the workshop that kind of thing um, and we might ask people to sign up to that uh, so so again just getting the conversations going is important and yeah it is, it is difficult sometimes knowing whether to bring a leader in. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, if sometimes if you don't, then you're not going to get any decisions made. Mm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that a lot of our clients, by the time they're talking to us, they're at a level of um, maturity where they they aren't necessarily, you know, they're, they're either leaders who are looking for a better way. So they're listening and they're learning from us anyway, or they're leaders who, you know, are already on the journey and therefore Mm -hmm. their level of uh, emotional intelligence and, you know, uh, self-awareness is fairly high. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they they kind of understand that they need to, you know, let other people speak and and be heard.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: No, I, love, I really, I really get that. And, if, you know, cause it's, I suppose the, you know, the, the, the debate is, is, you know, I, are you better off not having the person in the room if they're going to stifle things or are you better off actually heading it, heading it off and actually saying, come on, let's, 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 let's break this issue and, you know, and get it and get it on the table and let's get people talking about it. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah. you know, and that's, I mean, that's just going to be an individual by individual basis isn't it.
0: It really is. Yeah, because, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, if, if there was if there was a real issue, um, you know, with a with a team or a group of workers and they they needed to talk it through before we introduced the leader, then mm-hmm. we would absolutely do that. So a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that we do. So, for example, our optic tool that we use to um, observe um, organizational drift, and it's really our task analysis tool. So, so that that tool is one where we start with the workers, yeah, and yeah. we we observe the work. We might film it, we might record it, whatever it is, and then we get them into a workshop and we get them to process map it out exactly what they did, what we saw them do.
2: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then you know they'll agree that you know yep that's right. And now what we've done we've we've mapped out work as done. Yeah. So whoever's observed that, we we've stand, we, you know, we we've challenged them and said, No, 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 you didn't do that in that sequence. You actually did that first. And mm-hmm. we get it mapped out, what we actually observed. And then what we'll do, completely separate to them, is we'll bring in the sort of procedure owners or the leader or whatever it is, or the, the author of the procedure, and we'll get them to map out next to it mm-hmm. work as imagined. You know, what mm-hmm. did do, what, what does this task look like yeah. according to the procedure or the rules, you know? Uh, And then we bring everyone back in together and then we start over overlaying the two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you've got this conversation going on where the let's call this group, the leaders, the workers imagined group, let's call them the leaders and the workers done group. Let's call them the workers. You've got the leaders and the workers talking to each other and saying, well, you know, we understand now why you don't follow that step on the procedure, but actually you can't go that far off piste because that introduces new risks and new hazards. Mm -hmm. So let's try and meet somewhere in the middle. And then you've got the leaders looking at the workers going, wow, you're actually doing that in a much better way than we thought you'd do it. So let's scrap that out of the procedure and bring that in. So you do this piece. So, so yeah, that's one of the, one of the tools we use where we do start off, and we bring together to work together collaboratively to rewrite, ultimately rewrite the procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then the other thing that we would do is if there was a particular issue, and we have had this with a couple of um, our clients, um, where the workers, there was lots and lots of talk about something bad that had happened in an organisation.
2: Mm-hmm. And we
0: kept hearing it and hearing it. And in the end, we brought a group of workers together to discuss this in a really open you know between themselves we facilitated the discussion and then when they were ready and felt confident mm-hmm. then we went and prepped the leaders in another in another workshop we prepped the leaders and said look these are the things that are being talked about this is an event that has happened this is how the workforce feel about it um and 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 then we bring both together, and we have those conversations like that. So again, there's always ways.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
0: I mean, if you just bring two people, groups of people together, are going to clash. Then kind
1: of bang and it's hang- like
0: handbags at dawn, isn't it? And we mm-hmm. don't want that. We don't want. You that. know, it's got to be constructive, and it's got to be, um, you know, so whatever, whatever it takes, and again, case by case uh, basis.
1: So what are your what are the parameters that you sort of use then to decide? You know what what the things are that you're going to look at, the processes that you're going to look at. Is it is it based around the potential for significant injury or death, or or are there other parameters that you use?
0: Yeah, so we try and take a. Um, uh, it depends on the work we're doing, for obvious reasons, you know. Yeah. But if we were sort of, um, you know, uh, so so for example, I, it's okay for me to talk about this because we we just put it on LinkedIn last week. So we've just started working with Formula E um With, with uh, Rick Bates and um, the health and safety team there to start introducing the concepts of human and organizational performance so of course what what we'll do with them is we'll start to look at it from a risk hierarchy approach so where are our big risks mm-hmm. you know what are the big risk activities let's go and have a look how we set ourselves up to undertake those tasks
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know and so so again a company like that we would look at risk hierarchy. Uh, but also, then sometimes you we are dealing with like a breakdown in communication between teams,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so again, then it is about trying to get the teams talking and understanding, you know, the inputs and outputs of each part of the process to see how each team can set the next, you know, each department can set the next person, uh, the next department up to to succeed. Um, so, so it it does depend the parameters. I would say, and I don't know if this is the right answer to the question. Actually, so you might have to ask me again in another way. But our parameters are: we we have some specialism around human factors, around human and organisational performance, leadership development, uh, and business modelling, process modelling, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If a client comes to me and says, "Look, you know, um, we we would like some help to," implement a occupational health program or a well-being or a mental health program Mm -hmm. then that is not my expertise Mm -hmm. and those are jobs that need expert help so for example I would then go out to uh, you know a partner organization that we work such as Heather over at the Healthy Work Company and I'd say Heather we've got this client we've done some work with them. And what we found is that some, there's some issues around occupational health and wellbeing, maybe some fatigue management issues, you know, can you come in and do an educational piece or can you come provide some support? So, so we have a network of niche, if you like, organisations mm-hmm. who we bring in, um, you know, if, if we're looking at process safety, you know real high hazard process safety yes we we're all ex uh, we're all current or ex health and safety you know um, chartered members of iosh all that kind of stuff but it's not what we do for a living so we bring in a company called hastam because that that is what they are amazing at you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and so so that's what we do we stay in our lane yeah but we can help a client we can we can diagnose a problem and then we can help a client find the right solution mm-hmm. uh, and that will be provided to them under our paradigm umbrella, but mm-hmm. it may not necessarily be paradigm directly um, delivering that work. So mm-hmm. again, you know, we've got specialists that we tap into
2: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And, and so we we stay inside our lane and that's what makes us successful. Yeah. I, I really believe that's what make, makes us successful because we're more than happy to say to our clients, that's not something we do, but. Yeah. Here's here's an o- an option for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, did that answer that correctly when you said about parameters? I'm not sure it did. Um, well, I think I think
1: so. I mean, you know, I suppose you know, I you know, you know, you go into an organisation and 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 there could be there could be 40 different activities and tasks that the that the business do, and there's maybe 30 of them that aren't as significant as the others. But it's it's how you it's how you determine. Right, you know, we're not going to look at everything, you know, but what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to focus in on on these particular elements, and it's you know, I suppose it's really me just me getting an, an idea of, of of how you decide what it is that you look at and what it is that you that you don't, you know.
0: So, so we do a diagnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, when we start with a new client, we'll do a diagnostic, which will involve um, plotting them against our own um, internal developed maturity matrix for Hop. Mm-hmm. Um, that diagnostic may include a safety culture survey, yep. uh, it may include some focus groups, it may include some interviews. It will definitely, definitely involve us spending a lot of time in the field with the workforce
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and a lot of conversations, diagonal slice interviews, that kind of thing. So, we really do try to get under the skin of an organization. And through that process, then we start to see where the problem areas are. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: and then we would go out to confirm that those really are the problem areas, as say maybe a workshop or that's something, because obviously what tends to happen sometimes in organisations is, and this is one of the things I talk about uh, again quite a lot, is organisational memory at the bottom of the organisation is vast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But organizational memory at the top of the organization is minuscule. Mm -hmm. So our clients get very frustrated. And I understand it when if we do a safety culture survey for them uh, and, you know, there's there's a whole theme forming around disciplinary action.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And you, you can normally pick out from the commentary that there's some issue that's happened somewhere in the organization. And then we'll present to the leadership team, and we'll say, "Look, you know, has there been something that you're aware of?" And they might say, "Oh my God, you know, that was eight years ago. Mm. You know, that was two CEOs ago. Mm. You know, and they're still talking yeah. about it today as if it happened yesterday." Uh, and so that organisational memory takes a long time to um, to improve, almost. You know, because then what we do is we'll, we'll go back to the workers and we'll say, "Okay, look." This was a theme that came up in the survey. We really want to dig underneath this and and understand exactly what the issues are around it. So then we start to, you know, what's the evidence that this is what the leaders of your business want? What's the evidence that supports what you're telling us in the survey? When did this thing happen? Do you know it firsthand? Have you heard it secondhand or thirdhand? Mm -hmm. Is it just something that is in the ether? Mm. Um, And then you start to get to the bottom of those things Uh, And then, you know, you can you very often you just address it really quickly by going, you know, different, different place, different time, different history. And we're not on that journey anymore. We've changed. We're on a new journey. So a diagnostic is the way that we would go in and start to identify areas that would benefit from our an early intervention, Mm -hmm. um, but also to help an organization understand where to start so we're working with um, another um, global organization at the moment and we're doing we've got a five-year program with them and they operate in 78 countries around the world
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: so again you know the problems and the challenges that they will have in bangladesh will be very different to the problems that they have in germany yep. you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so again it's once you've done that diagnostic and you've got a really good understanding of what what the big picture looks like, then you can start to get down into the weeds, location by location. Because mm-hmm. as you as you know, Colin, there's not one organizational culture. No. There's many, many, many. You know, um, and so yeah, understanding the different the the slight nuances in your organization around the different locations or mm-hmm. different countries. Yeah. National cultures come into play. All of that, you have to be sensitive to all of that stuff.
1: I think that's such a valid point. I was I was fortunate enough to in, to interview um a guy called Chris Partridge. He's a he's a he's a friend of mine. I, he, he worked for me when I was a Hanson years ago, and then he's done really really well in his career. And he works for a uh for a, a, a multinational uh, specialist metal company uh, all okay. over all over the world. And um and he was just he, he was just talking about the the different cultures and just how. How, it, you know, there, 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 there can never be one size fits all there's got to be, you know, there's got to be these individual approaches that are taken because because people, you know, people have, have lived in these cultures, and you're not gonna be able to impose something that's different. You know, you've no. got to you've got to work around how people how people live.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah.
0: and well, even even down to language. I mean, we do a lot of work in America. Um, our team, our team, and our work out there is growing rapidly at the moment. And just even, you know, you'd think we all talk English, <laughs> uh, yeah. but it's so different. Just yeah. words, words yeah. have different meanings, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then we we've got a couple of clients where we deliver um, uh, training and our consultancy work in German so again you've got different dialects Mm, so mm. you know because when we first set up it was like oh we need a German speaking person to do this or we need a French speaking person or you know Chinese or Japanese or or whatever it is but actually that's not good enough because Mm -hmm. you can't just it's not just as simple as getting a translator because the words don't translate into the same meaning (laughs) Uh, And so it's it's complex. And for that reason, you know, partly due to COVID, but, you know, also due to us as a team thinking, what's the best way for us to overcome this? Mm -hmm. Because no matter what language you speak or, you know, what nationality you are, hop does make good business sense. Mm -hmm. It it really does.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, and, and therefore what you have to do is be able to translate it into, you know, what it's going to mean for that for that particular location. And what we've been doing, we, we've just set up, um, instead of us going out and providing, you know, a lot of consultancy and a little bit of training, uh, what we're doing now is we're providing a lot of training. Uh, and the consultancy has been done through, we, we're actually now training our clients' people mm-hmm. to do what we do. Yeah. So we take them yeah. through a six-month practitioner program, mm-hmm. uh, and at the end of that six months, they they walk away with all of Paradigm's IP. They get given it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they've during that six months. Not only have they been taught and learned, and you know got their qualification, but they've also developed and built their own program for you know they they act like a single point of contact in a location, uh, so that they can go and deploy. The, the strategy at their location make it fit for them and their um and and then what we do is we provide support by you know training the senior leaders of the organization and by the time we've sort of done that worked with the leadership team, the practitioners are coming through their qualification and so we we almost meet at that frontline supervisory level mm-hmm where we've worked down through the organization, the practitioners have worked up, you know, from the through the fundamentals with the sharp end, et cetera. And then we're together at this supervisory level. Mm-hmm. My team is observing the practitioners, training the frontline leaders mm-hmm. how to, you know, how to do this stuff and, and what it means to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that, again, has, was brought about largely because of COVID, because we we recognized that we couldn't travel all over the Mm -hmm. world and get to our clients anymore, but we didn't want the programs to stall either. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we, we've had a couple of um, different um, versions of it. It's fair to say, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. as, as most things, we we tested a few different ways of doing this and now we've landed on a really nice program. Mm -hmm. And then after the six months, they can go on then and do a master practitioner program with us, which is a bit more academic, Mm-hmm. Looks a bit more at the theory, but when you come through the, the second six-month program, you get your qualification. At that point, you've got everything you need to be, you know, like an organizational strategic hop leader yeah. so they can teach, you know, the, the senior leadership teams, the exec teams, and, and pr- implement uh, an organization-wide hop program. Again, mm-hmm. with all of the IP, that paradigm given to them for them to go and use, you know. So, so that's how we've been addressing it, and that means that clients can come to us and say, right, okay, look, we've got bilingual um, or multilingual people mm-hmm. that can be trained by your guys in English,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then they can then go and translate that that into their own language, you know, um, or local dialect or whatever it is,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that that is proven to be really and I'm really I'm really proud of that program.
1: It sounds, it sounds amazing. It sounds fantastic. I mean, I, I can remember back again in my career, I, I can remember spending some Saturdays in, in uh, down by um, uh, the, the, um, the O2 arena in London, on a concrete yeah. plant, okay, on a concrete plant down there, um, training up some um, Romanian concrete mixer drivers, because uh, the company I worked for had a huge, huge Romanian and and I, and I, you know, my when I when I do training, it, it's nice to have stories and it's nice to have the odd joke and all that. And yeah. and 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 we had a we had a translator there and it was it was it was such an experience because I'd say a joke and and nothing would happen. <laughs> <laughs> you just you're just sitting there, you know, you thought people should have laughed then, but the you know, it just it just didn't it didn't translate and just you know, it was, it was stony silence. And and you say a sentence and 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 the, the translator would say, like just two words and then you'd say you'd say just a couple of words and the translator would say loads and you'd think oh, oh, what's, going, what's going on here what's going yeah on? and it's just me not you yeah. know and it was it was it was something we tried and 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 it, and it was it was just wasn't you know what you're doing is just really so much difficult. more robust yeah it's so really it's, difficult
0: period. yeah it definitely is but you know it's it It's so nice when you do it in the native tongue and they get it and they understand it. And then inevitably they want to tweak it because, you know, certain things that will work in the UK and Europe may not work in Asia and things like that. So they have to make, you know, amendments. And and my attitude to all of this is there's no one size fits all, exactly what you just said earlier, Mm -hmm. but also even if that organization moves itself one step forward, then that's, that's beneficial. Yeah, it's great when you see an organization go from, you know, uh, a low one on our maturity matrix to a high five. Mm -hmm. That would be that's amazing. But Mm -hmm. actually just seeing them go from a a low one to a high one. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. What an achievement. And it can be so um, transformational for the team or the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I think where what we do really well is we try and keep this simple and very basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh you know and we 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 take we take the theory that's our job we take the theory and the textbooks and then we turn that into tools and techniques that people can use in the workplace
2: mm-hmm.
0: because otherwise a lot of it is a bit you know it sounds sounds sexy but where the hell do we start with some mm-hmm. of this you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um you know and and again learning teams is a, is a great example of that yeah we you know we spent we spent 20 or we sent 20 people on a learning team course Okay and um, what did you learn overall because we we not got clear what where to start <laughs> what to do mm, okay <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> but they but they know a lot about it if you ever if they ever get an opportunity to do it whereas our approach is if you're going to be a part of a learning team you have to be inquisitive you have to be curious and all those buzzwords that we're using these days or what you may say is you have to be able to investigate something <laughs> And guess what? Those are the same skills that you use when you investigate something that's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we teach our incident investigation training, that is exactly the same skill set to run a learning team. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. And so we just
0: flip it on its head and then say, okay. And, And the other problem with traditional type of incident investigation training is that hopefully your newly trained people won't get to use that muscle very often, because mm. you won't hopefully have too many accidents.
2: That's
0: right. So therefore, you know, you go on this course and you come away from it buzzing to, you know, yes, please let us have an accident so I can go and use my new training. <laughs> Nothing happens. Six yeah, months right. later, that accident happens and they're like, oh God, yeah, what, what was it we had to do? Yeah. yeah. What? Where was that laminated uh, folder thing, that, we, <laughs> that tree that we had to follow? Oh, God, I don't know. Where's mine? It's, yeah. it's, it's in the bin. Yeah. So, again, you know, by by training people to do really good, thorough incident investigations,
2: mm-hmm.
0: investigate not just health and safety incidents, they can investigate anything that goes wrong in your organisation, yeah. any unexpected outcomes, no matter what they are. Mm-hmm. But then they can also go off out and say, Okay, what are we, you know, where what are we seeing as organisational drift? Let's now go and investigate that. Let's go mm-hmm. and understand why that exists. Mm-hmm. And then they can be using that skill set proactively, which mm-hmm. means that, God forbid, the thing does go wrong. It's second nature. They just they just trip mm-hmm. into it, you know. Yes,
1: that's what they do. That's how they work. Absolutely. They're in- that's, they're that's
0: how they think.
1: Yeah, inquisitive. Mind. That's
0: how they think straight away. They're always like, okay, you know, yeah, we've heard that it was human error, but that's not the root cause, or you know, that's, that's just part of it. How were the people set up, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so Probably
1: yeah, I've got I think I've got a, a Hoover going off upstairs, so I'll uh... oh. <laughs> these things
0: these... Oh, I can hear it, not me, I, not me.
1: It. <laughs> I don't know how they work. No, no I can sure. hear
0: it over my washing machine and tumble dryer, <laughs> yeah. and my, my other half in there cooking his breakfast. It's fine. <laughs> The joys of working from home, Colin, is not it? it
1: just, and it just, uh, no. No. But again, it's interesting what you say. I said earlier as, as well about, um, uh, you know how people have, have done stuff and then they've done nothing with it. I, I, I went into a business of, uh, a couple of years back now, and um, and they'd got they'd got some behavioural safety people over from the states to come and do some work, and um, and and they have got basically got the they got the employees to write down all their issues and all their problems on a, on some post-it notes and uh and and i said um i said also oh, what have you done with those then you know what's what's happened you know what's happened about it and they said well i don't know and i said well i said have you still got the post-it notes and they went oh they're somewhere and we found them in a box and it was about 300 there's about 300 of these things that have been chucked in a box and and i just said well i said you know what you could have done you know is, is you could have actually looked at these and you could have you could have maybe categorized them, and you could have Being, decided, um, yeah, put them up on the, you know, post. it That's great. You could have had a wall. I called it the wall of opportunity. That's what you could have had. Yeah, this fantastic absolutely. wall of opportunity. And I said, and what you've done is you've bunged it in the, uh, you've bunged it in the, in a, in a cupboard somewhere and lost, lost it. All. And what you've done is you've just lost that total buy-in. Everything that you were trying to achieve, the, the people just don't believe it because they've, they've yeah. contributed and they've had nothing back. And how? Yeah. And what a so shame. I was-
0: you've just you've just disenfranchised mm-hmm. a shed load of workers who probably thought mm, maybe this time they are going to do it yeah. um you know and and that that's the sad thing isn't it with workshops like, and and consultants like that need, need shooting to be honest with you in my personal not physically not physically not literally <laughs> but you know they they it's why go in and give an organization a problem? They've called you in because they've got a challenge or they've got a problem. Mm. You don't go in and go, you're right, You have got a problem. And here, here, look at it, look at it, (laughs) look at
2: it. You
0: know, they want you to come in and help them make sense of the problem, define the problem, and then come up with a a solution that they're going to be able to work with. And yeah, these workshops, I've, I've observed a few workshops where I'm like, I'll never get that couple of hours back in my life.
2: That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's
0: right. <laughs> it's just—it's so frustrating. And you know, mm. don't get me wrong. In the early days when we set up, yeah, we, we probably were guilty of doing a bit of that ourselves because me, naively running this business on my own, thought if 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 a, a company is going to bring me in and they're going to spend money for me to come in and you know facilitate something for them or train some of their people, then. Yeah, obviously, duh. Of course, they're going to use it. Mm, mm. I think. Then, when I realised that they weren't going to, that it was just a nice day with a few free sandwiches, Mm. I was like, I need to go further as a consultant. Mm. I need to close this loop, and and that's really why you know some of the stuff we do now. We don't kind of. We we do go and help people with the one problem and try and solve that for them. But we're not we're not typically your one and done type of consultancy. We mm-hmm. we partner with organizations, mm-hmm. um, you know, and in fact, we're talking to a, a really big um, UK project at the moment, which is a joint venture of uh, four different organizations. And they approached us and said, can you can you give us a proposal for helping with some health and safety support and also some human and organizational performance training for this project team mm-hmm. five or six year project and we looked at it and i was like well this just doesn't it's not a cost effective way for you to do it and actually it drives again that short termism
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is it's just transactional we'll just end up Yeah, you've had a day here, you've had a day there, and and we just don't want to work like that. So we went back to them and said, look, if you want us to put a price together for you, we will, but it'll be more like a schedule of rates. Mm
2: -hmm. If you want
0: us to do that, fine. But why don't you offer us the opportunity to become a part of the joint venture, Mm -hmm. to sit at the table? Yep. And then there's so much more of this that we can take away from you that you don't have to worry about, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and so that's what we're doing on this particular project. Well, we're, we're in conversation with them now about taking over all of their, you know, we'll deliver all of their, in, we'll do everything from their induction training right through to their ongoing competence management, right through to all of their leadership development training, you know, running their workshops, their CDM meetings, the whole shebang, you know, whereas at the moment, four companies are trying to get their head around which one of you is going to be the health and safety lead, which one of you is going to be the train, you know, actually, let's bring this company in to do that. Mm. Then we sit at the table with them. They know they know what they're getting and that they're getting value for money. Yeah. But also we know that we're, we're not leaving money on the table that could be spent in a way that benefits the project.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, where i think you know when you go into a competitive tender process with something like these big projects that's the risk you know you' you're you know you're judged on cost
2: mm. well
0: paradigm' is never going to be the cheapest no, but no. paradigms always going to be the best value you know and and the best quality if obviously i'm bound to say that but you
2: know and
0: and obviously colin nottage's company as well is <laughs> close close second but, but
1: you know Brilliant. you know what i mean don't you exactly what you mean yeah,
0: we, so. we need to we need to operate a different business model as um consultants you know whatever consultancy you call yourself and where you can partner with a company i think there's still more benefits in that model yeah. than just your typical day rate consultant yeah. you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think that's absolutely absolutely wonderful Teresa, we're co- we're coming to the end of uh, end of our time here, so it's absolutely flown by. Can you um um you know how can how can, two questions I got for you? First off, how can people get hold of you? Okay, but also, what have you got coming up? What what have you exciting things? Have you got any? Have you got any uh, webinars or anything exciting that's coming up that you want to? Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah about? So we've got right. a few
0: things coming up. Um, you can contact me at Teresa at paradigmhp.com and mm-hmm. perhaps we can i can share a link or something yeah. with
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, on on the notes or something Yeah, no 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 we can get that. Um, uh, you can visit our, our website www.paradigmhp.com mm-hmm. um it what have we got coming up on a thursday afternoon we we've been running these um learning organization webinars uh, so, so we've been running those every Thursday afternoon at 2pm uh, UK time, totally free of charge. You can find the link on LinkedIn and sign, sign up for those. It's a phenomenal community of mm. between sort of 60 and 100 people a week for two hours every Thursday afternoon. We normally have a <laughs> presenter. We've got two strange guys coming on this Thursday to <laughs> um, present um i i think it's going to be bedlam because they're taking over the webinar i think oh, oh that's you Colin, isn't it yeah. James. <laughs> So yeah cool i mean really again that's one thing i love about it and i'm really proud of we prom- we promote We promote Mm -hmm. people who have got the same values as us. There's plenty of work to go around out there. We don't Mm -hmm. need to compete and, you know, backbite Mm -hmm. each other. And I think there's enough companies out there who do that. Mm -hmm. We find really great people who do what they do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether they cross with us or not. We want to promote them. So for you and uh, James coming on, obviously, to talk about Project Militium, um, in terms of what else we've got coming up this year, we are um, main sponsors for Paul Clark's HSE Congress series. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping hoping to get back out live and do mm-hmm. some live ones towards the end of the year. But we've got the UK one coming up um, at the end of March, beginning of April. So look out for that because we've um, got some really great stuff going on at that webinar. And we always... Uh, at that conference and we always give away um a nice package of work free consultancy work to mm-hmm. to a client as a bit of a co- com- competition uh what else have we got coming up team in america is growing really quickly we're about to embark on five different um multiple year contracts with um new clients and in new sectors for us as well so Uh, The company I've mentioned a few times today, I think it's okay for me to talk about them. That's Givadan, who are a company who make flavors and fragrances for Mm -hmm. um, pretty much if you spray it on you or you put it down your throat, Givadan have probably um, Mm -hmm. made the uh, fragrance or or the taste of it. Uh, We're working with uh, Coca Cola. Uh, We're working, um, we're starting to do some work with um, Mars uh, on incident investigations. Uh, and a couple of other companies, Babcock International, we've been working with for a while, a company called Evergy out in the States who we work with. So we're global. The really exciting thing that's happening in the next month or so is um, I, I've got a mentor who I've been working with and who encouraged me to set paradigm up. And that's Shane Bush of Bushco HPI, mm-hmm. um, based out in um, the U.S., we're actually merging our two companies. Wow. Um, so stateside will be Paradigm and Bushco together, which I'm really excited about. Mm. Uh, and I guess really um, the, the, the big thing at the moment is the practitioner program, which is proven really, really successful. So if you're an organization out there who would like to do this. You know, like to really get human and organizational performance embedded into your own organization but perhaps you're not a company who likes to use consultants or you know you you have a limited um, uh, a limited time to do this then you know us training your own people reach out to us about that so yeah so that that's kind of the things that come to mind
1: It's absolutely wonderful. I get all
0: embarrassed when it comes to the sales bit, Colin.
1: (laughs) Well, you've done really well. I mean, you've you put it over absolutely wonderfully. So I'm, I really, you know, really appreciate that, and and really appreciate the opportunity you're giving us on Thursday. That's going to be great. Uh, It's going to be really. Yeah, I'm
0: really looking forward to this week's uh, webinar with you too. I've warned people that you're just taking over my webinar, and it's going to be. I I just have no idea what you're going to do, but I'm excited about it.
1: (laughs) Fantastic, Teresa. Thank you ever so much. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Well, Colin, thank you. Thank you as well for everything you do. Um, because, you know, webinars like this, or podcasts like this, they, they're just great. They're real levelers that mm-hmm. you get to kind of meet people that you or, you know, feel like you've met people that you might not get to meet. And I think you do an amazing job. Same with uh, James with, with his and, um, you know, I, the, these webinar uh, podcasts are just phenomenal. So thank you because I know that you give up your time to do this and mm-hmm. promote people like me and our businesses. So thank you very much as well.
1: It's wonderful. wonderful. Teresa, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with yourself and uh, and, and also thank you so much for uh, giving James and myself the opportunity to talk on your uh, on your uh, webinar about Project Maletium, you know, Project Maletium sponsor you know, sponsor the podcast as well and and are there to try and uh, to try and help health and safety professionals in their in their growth. Um, you know, whether you're new to the game, whether you're an existing professional that may be plateaued, or whether you're somebody that's uh, that's well in your, view of your career and is looking to give a bit back to uh, to other professionals and then, then Project Meletium is a place for you. But let's uh let's go back to your um to, to what you were seats chatting about and, and I just love the you know when you're talking about how short-term is sometimes how businesses can be and how important it is to play the long game. You know, we see it in so many parts of, uh, of, of you know, things like the National Health Service. You know, it's just such a shame that, that that is suffering in the way it is because there's no long-term game, you know, cross-party. Well, you know, it's the same within business. You know, there should be these these longer-term approaches taken um, to sort of safeguarding the health and well-being of people within the, um, within the workplace. Um you know, so again, you know just totally agree with what you're trying to achieve with your clients you know on that front um you know your risk profile again fundamental, you know really getting a real understanding and if you're a consultant, you know that's that's new to consultancy or you've been there a while, then make sure that you get a good process for actually doing a risk profiling with your uh, you know with your business and with your clients, just so you get a really good understanding of what it is that they are having to deal with having to face because once you've got that uh in place, then you can start providing the best advice and the best support. And you can also, you know, be really looking at, you know, what what's coming out, what new things are coming out from health and safety executive, what new things are coming out from the industry that your clients or your or your business may uh, maybe uh benefit from because you understand the risks that your business is facing. Um, and also the piece that you were saying, Theresa about, you know, about trying to break businesses out of their silos. And, you know, I see it all the time you know, and and the the health and safety department is struggling to get into the sales department. The sales department aren't talking to the operations department from a health and safety perspective. Um, You know, finance, uh, you know, are outside the loop, you know, it's really about bringing all these different parts of the business together um, so that you can gain. When you apply that then back to the long term view, that's when you can start to have some real success in, uh, you know, in in moving the business forward. Teresa, thank you so much. It was uh, an absolute pleasure, and, uh, and I really wish you all the best. And please, you know, if you're listening to this, if you can check out the Paradigm uh, Human Performance website, and please get in contact with them because uh, you know there's so much that uh, that the Paradigm business can offer to your business. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, then please like, please share, um, please comment. Um, we'd love you to join the uh, the community, so um, you know, please uh, please head on down, um, and uh, you know, it'll be it'd be great to, to connect with people and if there's anything you want to, to hear about you know if there's a particular guest you'd like us to get on if there's a particular topic that you'd like us to uh, to explore and talk about then please uh, get in touch you know drop me a line uh, at linkedin and um you know we will endeavor to uh, to um to satisfy your needs hey look have an absolutely smashing uh smashing week ahead and uh, um, we'll see you really soon bye for now